0: I just want to declare over you tonight that every desert in your life, that flowers are going to bloom, according to Isaiah 35. And if that's you tonight, you need to put that in your your phone, or if you still do paper and pencil, do that. But you need to read Isaiah 35, because it will make your spirit man stand up on the inside. It's very powerful. Um... I had, can you throw the picture up there? Not not Bo, but the other picture. Yeah. The most difficult time in your life may be the border to your promised land. So if you're here tonight and you're having a difficult time, actually, if you're doing anything of any consequence, you have a difficult time occasionally. And if your life is really easy, I just encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, who are you supposed to become? Because the guys in the gym who have the biggest muscles, they're sore almost every day. So many of you, I feel, are, uh, and there, there's a new momentum in our ministry. There, I have one in my life, and it's so exciting. I feel like I've waited forever for it to get here. And um, so tonight I wanted to talk to you about um, promised land grapes. So I'm going to read you from Numbers, the Message Bible, and I'm going to skip some of the verses, so you'll just have to kind of come along with me. Numbers 13, God spoke to Moses, Send men to scout out the country of Canaan that I am giving to the people of Israel. Note what he said. He said, send men to scout out the country of Canaan that I am giving to the people of Israel. So he made a very clear statement, I'm giving it to you. Send one man from each ancestral tribe, each one a tried and true leader in the tribe. So these were leaders, like these would be our main leaders here in our ministry. These were supposedly the great men of faith. And I'm going to skip all those names But in verse 16, it says, These are the names of the men, above that, Moses sent to scout out the land. Moses gave Hosea, salvation, son of Nun, a new name, Joshua, God saves. And I thought, that is so weird. Why would God is in the names big time. And I was like, why would you throw that in there? You know, right in the middle of the story. Hosea, salvation, is a noun. God saves is a verb. And so a lot of you know your identity on a very fundamental level. You know that you're a Christian, and that's important to know. But God wants to change your name. He wants to make your noun a verb. And so I want to talk tonight about how to make that happen. 17 through 20, when Moses sent them off to scout out Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and then into the hill country. Look, over the, look the land over, see what it's like. Assess the people. Are they strong or weak? Are there few or many? Observe the land. Is it pleasant or harsh? Describe the towns where they live. Are they open camps or fortified with walls? And the soil, is it fertile or barren? Are there forests? and try to bring back a sample of the produce that grows there. This is the season for the first ripe grapes. So at the beginning of this adventure, God speaks the truth, which is, I am giving this land to the people of Israel. All Moses wanted was some facts. What are the facts? With that, they were on their way. And it tells about how they went throughout the whole... Land And when they arrived at the Eshkol Valley, they cut off a branch with a single cluster, cluster of grapes. It took two men to carry it, slung on a pole. They named the place Eshkol Valley, Grape Cluster Valley, because of the huge cluster of grapes they had cut down there. After 40 days of scouting out the land, they returned home. So they go to the land, they find facts that are bigger, than, I mean, treasure, fruit, that's bigger than anything they've ever seen. Because if you think about it, two guys, and I would think it'd be two two big guys, had a pole between them with a cluster of grapes that would take like a grapefruit. And they're used to eating those little grapes. And so that's what they found. 26 through 27, they presented themselves before Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation, of the people of Israel, in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They reported to the whole congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So they showed them the big grapes. Then they told the story of their trip and listened to how they start out. They start out with We went to the land to which you sent us. So we obeyed, we did what you asked. And, oh, it does flow with milk and honey. Just look at this fruit. So they show the fruit. And then they go, the only thing is that the people who live there are fierce. Their cities are huge and well fortified. Worse yet, we saw descendants of the the giant Anak. Amalekites are spread out in the Negev. Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites hold the hill country and the Canaanites are established on the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan. And I want to challenge you tonight and I want you to ask Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to entertain you tonight. When I preach, I want you to interact with Holy Spirit. So I want you to ask Holy Spirit, what's the area? What's the promised land? What's the the prophetic words? When you take spiritual gifts test, what's your spiritual gifts test say? If you've done the five-fold that Eric Knopf developed and, and is on our website, where are you in the five-fold? What are you doing to move from your noun into a verb? Because you're the only one who can do that. It's so funny. People will come in here, and they look really good, and they're pretty people. And you can tell they're just used to being leadership everywhere they go. And they come in, and we're like, uh, the trash. Do you mind picking up, like, those pizza boxes at the back? Could you put those in the trash? I had a guy in Virginia in a ministry I ran there. He was a major. And he was like, I don't do that. But I'm interested in being on your leadership team. And I said, well, that's where everybody starts. And there's no exceptions. And I smiled. And it took him just a hot minute, as in two or three months, to figure out I meant it. <laughs> you look so good. You got that swagger thing down, and you have obviously have articulation abilities. Because he was happy to tell me how qualified he was. But his life didn't bear that up and we just couldn't use him but eventually he worked into the program he was powerful i want you to ask holy spirit what is the promised land what's that dream that you don't even dare tell anybody because if you do somebody like me might remember (laughs) and ask you about that dream i know you think i might call you out i might Because they started out, we went to the land, it does flow with milk and honey, and it goes downhill from there. And I'm here to tell you tonight, every dream that God created your DNA for, everything that's inside of you is not an accident. You are not a fool for wishing and thinking, I could do that someday. Esther Narcissian, the woman who prayed tonight, the day will come when she'll hold a microphone to speak to women. But she's got to make the choices to move. Like tonight when I went back there, that's not really what happens in their culture and their churches. And when I went back there, I was texting during worship at Oaksen. I'm like, are you here? Because Holy Spirit was like, tonight's Esther's night. She's having a baby in a couple weeks. We can't wait. Well, in a month. And I'm like, we need to hurry up and get this out there. But she had to choose to come up and be a verb. So I'm going to ask you again. It's great that you're a Christian. That's awesome. What are you doing to move from being a noun to a verb? Nouns are boring. There are plenty of people my age who are nouns. And I can hardly bear to hang out with them because they get to talk about their 401k and their career path and all the awesome things they did, and their big car and their golf handicap. Do you understand what a golf? No, I don't know what a golf handicap is. And furthermore, I could care less. What's the legacy your life is going to lead? I don't want to hurt your feelings, but in heaven, nobody's going to care about your golf handicap. And your 401k ain't squat. I love Caleb. It says in verse 30, Caleb, and I looked up his name because names matter to God. Caleb means bold. So they, they start all this trash, all this, you know, yeah, we got this big fruit, but oh, you can't believe how bad it is. Caleb interrupted, called for silence before Moses and said, let's go up and take the land. Now we can do it. But the other said, We can't attack those people. They're way stronger than we are. They spread scary rumors among the people of Israel. (laughs) They said, we scouted out the land from one end to the other. It's a land that swallows people whole. What kind of land swallows people whole? Shut up. (laughs) Everybody we saw was huge. Why we even saw the Nephilim giants, the Anak giants, come from the Nephilim. Alongside them, we felt like grasshoppers, and they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. (laughs) Now, you can look at that two ways. For the last 15 years, I've worked out at this little ghetto gym over here called 24 Hour on Micron. (laughs) And every workout partner I've had has been at least 10 years younger than me, most of them 20 years younger, and they can all lift 20 more pounds than I can, minimum. Shut up. But I look pretty good next to most 60-and-a-half-year-old men I know. Why? Because I'm not used to comparing myself to some dude who's, you know, getting around and thanking Jesus at that age. I can still get around. Uh Uh-uh. I've been lifting weights with the Young Bucks. If you want to be a giant in the kingdom, and it's totally up to you. I don't care what's been spoken over you. In fact, if you're listening to the sound of my voice tonight, even if you're not in this, in this building, I break off every lie, word curse, and accusation that's been spoken over you, and I challenge you to come out of agreement with every single one of them. Because I can break them off, but you've got to come out of agreement with it. And then you have to maintain your breakthrough. The whole community was in an uproar, wailing all night long. All the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The entire community was in on it. Why didn't we die in Egypt or in the wilderness? Why has God brought us to this country to kill us? You hear that whine? I can't stand that. Our wives and children are about to become plunder. Why don't we just head back to Egypt? And right now, (laughs) soon they were all saying it to one another, let's pick a new leader. Let's head back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in front of the entire community, gathered in emergency session. And if, if as I was saying this, if that's kind of like if you have a whine inside yourself about your life, kill it. <laughs> stop that. And sometimes the only way to make yourself self stop whining is to get around somebody who won't put up with it. If you want to grow in the kingdom, anybody can. Anybody can. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, members of the scouting party, ripped their clothes and addressed the assembled people of Israel. The land we walked through and scouted out is a very good land, very good indeed. If God is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land that flows, as they say, with milk and honey, and he'll give it to us. Just don't rebel against God and don't be afraid of those people. Why, we'll have them for lunch. They have no protection and God is on our side. Don't be afraid of them. Because God said at the beginning of this adventure, send men out to scout the county of Canaan that I am giving to the people of Israel. Sometimes your rebellion you won't even recognize it as so subtle. Because God's spoken to you over and over again through prophetic words. He's had leaders come alongside you. They tried to get you to do the things that you're called to do and very well equipped for. And you want to step back. This ain't the time. I'm young. I need to have a good time. I have things to do. I want to travel the world. You can travel the world. You can do all kinds of things. But when God has spoken something over you and pointed you towards the land and you don't step towards it, you're walking in rebellion. He'll give you all kinds of clues. This is what I called you for. This is what I made you for. And then you're still walking in rebellion. I wouldn't be a good dad if I didn't tell you that. I have a son. I have spiritual sons, and one of them's name is Bo Anderson. I have his permission to talk about his life and mine. He was in rehab, and uh, he went through rehab once, um, did a great job, got out, and had a conversation with one of his family members, and it triggered something, and he relapsed. And so I knew in my spirit that he, I just knew something's wrong. And so I called one of his brothers, and he's in Reading. And I said, I want you to go find Bo, and this is where I think he is. And he goes, Pop, it's late, and I'm in bed. I go, I don't care what you're doing. Get out of your bed. Think about somebody besides yourself. Because if you're not going to do it, I'm getting in my car. Do I need to do that? I'm not trying to shame you into it. I want to find my son. Are you with me or not? He goes, you're right, I'm with you. Went and found him, and he... he he took him back to his apartment. He said, I picked him up, and he was a little disoriented. And he couldn't remember where his bike was. So we went and found his bike. Well, he, um, he told me that he had relapsed. And come to find out, that night, he actually died. They had him at the emergency room, and they brought him back to life with the metal paddles. They shocked him two or three times, and he came back. And he's such a tough little stud, he didn't even tell my other son anything. Sorry. Thanks, Nicholas. He didn't tell him what went on. But he went back into rehab, and he, he, he had the humility to do it. And uh, people talked, and I didn't bat an eye. Why? Because that's my son. That's the heart of the Father for every one of you. When you fail and everybody writes you off, God does not because he is a father. And I'm sorry for every father that any of you had in the room who didn't know how to live that way with you. But that's the way daddy God is. Well, about four months into second rehab, His counselor calls me and goes, I don't usually do this, but Bo's being kind of belligerent, and he's not one to work with a program. And I said, Why, thank you. Uh, Would you be willing to release him to me for just a couple of hours? Could I visit at five o'clock today? This is about noon. He said, Sure. I said, Fine, I'll be right there. I canceled my afternoon, I drove to Reading. I walked in. I brought food from In-N-Out. I'm a great dad. (laughs) And we found a room by ourselves. And while he ate, I said, Son, your counselor tells me that you're not working with the program. What is your problem? And he was like, Well, I go, No, you need to talk to me. What is the problem? Because we are successfully completing this program. Notice I said we. God, Jesus is within you. Can you put the picture up of Bo? That's him. That was him two weeks ago when he was inducted into the National Honor Society. I texted him and said, hey, I'm talking about us tonight. He goes, great. Make sure you tell them that I, made all, uh, s- that I made straight A's this semester. He goes, oops, I let the surprise go. <laughs> but he's responded every time because with him, if I'm driving to Reading, I drove there for his birthday. When I first started working with him as a spiritual father, he was super tentative because his life story didn't make him trust guys my age. When I drove up there for his birthday, a of, I think it was last month, I drove up, took him out to dinner, drove home. So five hours for two and a half hours to be together. And I said, son, when do you want for your birthday? And he goes, I-, I was thinking like an outfit from Kohl's. And I was like, I was thinking like a shirt. <laughs> but I didn't say that. I loved it because he trusted my love for him so much that he was thinking an outfit, and I'm his dad, and why wouldn't I give him one? And so we got a great outfit. The point is, God is there for every one of you equally. But you have to let him be there. And we have all these little games that we play, kind of like these guys. You know, they're looking at all this sad story, I was telling one of my friends when I was about 24 about my dad because we didn't have the greatest relationship and I love to blame things on that. And my friend Balson Abraham goes, Eric, you're 24 and you're grown. So stop talking about your dad. And I was like, no one has said that to me before. It was kind of abrupt, I thought, and kind of rude. Actually, it was kind of insensitive and super true. And I stopped talking about my dad. thought it was funny Uh, verses 10 through 12 it says but up in arms now the entire community was talking of hurling stones at them just then the bright glory of God appeared at the tent of meeting every Israelite saw it God said to Moses how long will these people treat me like dirt how long refuse to trust me and with these signs I've done among them too I've had enough I'm going to hit them with a plague and kill them but I'll make you into a nation bigger and stronger than they ever were. I don't know if you guys think things like this, but I was like, I think God's feelings were hurt. Because you would think a merciful, kind God, if he's going to kill everybody, would use lightning. You know, just a little, like a little mosquito. (laughs) Painless, but you still got to die because you didn't trust me. No, not God. I'm going to see them die with a plague. As slow and torturous. I was like, God, man, you cracked me up. You were serious business ticked. I know that's free. And Moses had a father's heart because God told him, I'll make you into a nation bigger and stronger than they ever were. And Moses talked them out of killing God, talked God out of killing them with a plague. We have to learn in our life to look beyond the facts to the truth. You're sitting here tonight with limitations in your mind. This morning at 2.30, I woke up. I hate it when that happens because I rarely get back to sleep before 5. And that's exactly what happened. But about 3, the Holy Spirit was like, "Uh, you know this little situation that you're all snarled up about? I've called you to lead. And you always like to hide and be the number two guy. And if you're ever going to lead and do the things that God has called you to do, you're going to have to believe me for who I say you are and step up to the plate. And I'm like, I'm a little late, God. I mean, I like to talk to the young'uns so that they can go do what they're supposed to do. And God's like, "Uh, I'm talking to you. (laughs) What are the facts? Because the facts, the Israelites came up to that big body of water. The Egyptians are right behind them. And they thought we're dead. And God literally opened a wall. And they walked through on dry land. That was the truth. Jericho. Fortified city. Ain't no way to get in there. We're toast. Those were the facts. The truth of God was march around the city. And then the second day, march around the city twice. Now, if you're big and bad and you've built all these muscles... How stupid are you going to feel walking around the city like? Not one, not two, not seven days. And then the walls fall down. That was the truth. So I'm asking you, ask Holy Spirit right now, what are the facts in your life that are making you think that your life is supposed to be small and little? Because it's not. And I'm not talking about what other people think is, is a big deal. Because for all of us, God has something for us that's a big deal. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I have a friend whose towels I've washed for 15 years. I picked them up today and put clean ones out. And that's a part of my natural Every week, stuff. That's a big deal to me. Anybody else? That's just a towel boy. What is it that's in your heart? And what are the echoes that tell you that that can never come true? Let's talk about truth. The word does not say you shall know the facts and the facts shall set you free. <laughs> now, you got to go after the facts for the truth, but you got to figure out what the truth is. Romans 8:32 and I love this verse. It says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, and that can be pretty practical. We do have to deal with the facts, but we hang on to the truth. I see the facts, I see myself, I know my facts. I have the kind of personality people love to point out my facts. (laughs) A lot of times we try to look through the facts to heaven. So we come to God and go, God, here's all the facts. What you gonna do? We have to look at things from heaven's perspective. And I wanna talk about that a little practically look for the place that the truth can impact the facts people stop at the fact and don't stop to realize that the fact that sparked a feeling is to cause you to seek discernment of truth i'm going to say that again that's actually shetty's statement Because we were talking about, I was telling him some of the stuff I was thinking through. Because a lot of times, there will be a fact, and then I'll have a feeling about that. And usually, it's shame. Anytime, like, even if I've said anything tonight that's made you feel ashamed, that's not the Holy Spirit, nor is it my heart. Oh. If you looked at something, you're like, oh, yeah, that's true. That's not the Holy Spirit. But when I have that feeling, it's like, hold up, that felt like shame. And that does not match Daddy God. Facts give you a roadmap to determine where to apply truth. When you partner with truth, you'll always live from a place of being encouraged. You'll feel like a fool at the beginning. Because when I start speaking truth over facts, I feel stupid because they don't match. Like think about the facts that made sense to all the Israelites except for Joshua and Caleb, the noun that became a verb and the guy whose name means bold. And they were like, shut up, we can do this. And sometimes you have to partner with your spirit man And take charge of your soul and your mind. Because Holy Spirit will speak things to your spirit. And you literally, there are times I have to out loud say to myself, shut up. My spirit man is in charge. And I'm going to go with what the truth is. I understand the facts. I am not stupid. Ephesians 2.6 says, and this is a verse that was always like I would hear it. Let me read it to you. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And I, that would just go right over my head. I mean, you'll hear that verse and it's like, yeah, whatever. Seated in heavenly realms. Yeah. Like, what the heck does that mean? But when we start getting that, it's super important that we begin to understand that because Ephesians 121 says that that means that you are far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That only happens when you begin to understand that I'm seated in heavenly places. So I want to talk just a little bit, and I want to say those verses again. Ephesians 2.6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So, Ephesians 1.21 says, that means because you're seated with Christ... Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So every time that a thought comes to you that's facts and it tells you to shut up with your truth and sit down because that's stupid and illogical, you need to remember that Jericho fell. The waters parted. Joshua and Caleb should have run around with some different people because they had to do a whole other lap for 40 more years. But they did come back and they got to lead everybody in. That's what you have to remember. So how do you find your seat? Like if you're seated with Christ, how do you find that seat? You're only going to find it by taking time outside of this room to sit down with God and go, Holy Spirit, what you got to say? And then listen. You'll get some pretty crazy thoughts. Why? Because they're truth. And you'll have to break agreement with all the lies that have been spoken over your life. But it is worth it Go into many churches all across America. People are bored. But they're in church because they know their check supposed to be there on Sunday. Ain't nobody getting raised from the dead. If you follow me on Facebook, I posted a testimony, I think yesterday or today, about a man who died and his 14- or 15-year-old son, 45 minutes after his everything stopped, goes in and starts speaking to his father's body. And I believe that we can see those things. I do believe we're going to see some healings that are going to be amazing. We're also going to see people begin to walk into their destinies. There are so many people in our Epic Life community who are literally walking into some powerful destinies, doing some amazing things. We are going to see that, but you have to agree with the truth, and it will make you feel stupid when you start doing it. You won't feel stupid in this room because we're all about that. And the more transparently we live together, and by the way, this is a plug for uh, DNA tomorrow night because Nathaniel Shankoot is talking about transparency. That's at my house, and Shaddy's and Brian Ryan's the more that you walk in truth, the more powerfully you're gonna see facts matter less and less and less. We don't care about your history. One of these days I need to give my testimony. But I have a lot of authority when I talk about this kind of stuff, why? Because I've had to face down facts that were embarrassing humiliating, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. And when you you begin to face facts down with truth, your authority level grows and grows and grows and grows. And your spiritual physique starts looking like you're lifting weights. Why? Because you are. Because when you start walking into the destiny that God has for you, You have no idea how fun your life can be. Crazy, yeah, but so fun, so not boring, so not blah. Kate's such a testimony to me because I've seen her with Lyme's disease. I've seen what sometimes that can bring her. And homegirl just can't get it straight. She just keeps looking at the truth over facts. It looked like she was not going to be able to even go. And she said on Facebook, I know what I heard. And sometimes people say that and you're like, "Ah, that seems a little shady. But when you watch somebody face it down time after time after time, I've seen her out of control with a panic attack that Lyme's, dream, Lyme's disease brought on her. I was there. And she knew her soul was going through it. But when I realized who she was, because I couldn't tell when I walked up to the car who she was, when I realized it was my Kate, I reached in there and grabbed her hand, and I started praying over her with authority. Why? Because we have a covenant. If you want to walk in the authority of the truth that God has for your DNA, just build your covenant with God. And that's a slow process. You can go on our website, epiclife.org, and listen to a ton of the testimonies. They'll so encourage you. There's a whole bunch of sermons on there for the last three or four years, all kinds of things that will make you fat and strong on the inside. When I took her hand and I began to declare the truth over her, her spirit, I could feel it. It was so funny because her body is still going crazy with the panic attack, and her spirit is fighting it for all it's worth. And I had responsibilities, I needed to come back in the the room, it was an epic life night. So I walked, I said, baby, I gotta go do my stuff, and Leanne was out there. And I don't know how well you know Leanne, but she ain't nobody to play with. (laughs) And so I knew, I'm leaving my daughter with a woman who will watch over her like I would. And I walked back in here and took the microphone like nothing had happened. Lie, because all three of us were focused on the truth over facts. So I'm telling you tonight the way that you can find your seat next to Jesus is to pursue all the things that are going to make you strong on the inside. I come week after week after week. The Sundays I don't want to go to church, that's the one I'm, I make sure I make because time after time it's the very one I need. I sit down, when I don't even want to hear anything. God. I don't even want to talk to God. It's like, the facts are making me crazy. Shut up. <laughs> and so you sit yourself down, and I tell God, I'm having trouble with the facts today, and I got an attitude. I was having a conversation with one of my sons, and this is how God talks to me. He had a little temper tantrum at me. And it went on for a little bit, and finally I said, You know that this doesn't intimidate me, right? (laughs) I ain't afraid of you. So when you get done with this, we'll talk some more. Let's just keep walking. We kept walking, and then all of a sudden the truth came out, and it was so freaking powerful. That's how it works with God. So I just want to encourage you tonight if you're here and you're like, I don't know where my life is going. I need a mentor. I need a, you know what? You might get a mentor if you'll show up and be faithful. When the food's getting put on the table buffet-like, like like it is tonight, if you'll show up every single time that happens, somebody might go, oh, my goodness, I think they might be serious. Seek God. Every way you know how. And when you get to the end of it, if you're here tonight and you're like, I've tried all this stuff and I don't know what else to do, there's plenty of us. Anybody on the prayer team, ask them. Those, are, those guys aren't up there because they're pretty. We know them. They're up there because they walk in power and authority and it doesn't come cheap. <laughs> Nicholas, you tell them jokes over there by yourself. <laughs> so I just want to bless you tonight. I want to thank you for coming And I just want to beg of you, start pursuing truth. It's such a powerful way to live. God's going to do something so powerful in our community. He really is. Every time, ironically, every time that we've gone like that, there's been a dip in the numbers. And, And what followed that? because we all came together, what has followed that has been an outpouring of the Spirit. And that's what I feel like. That's where we are. So thank you so much for coming. I want to, before, Father, I just ask that every single person, and you can keep your eyes open. I always look around when I pray. (laughs) I just ask that every single person here tonight that were thinking of facts and like, Yeah, but Waterbury doesn't know my facts. I pray, God, you just shatter that with truth. I might not know your facts, but Daddy God does. And there ain't nothing in his sight because he has truth over you. The walls of Jericho will fall. The sea, that will part. You'll walk across on dry land. You have to just step out in there. You got to walk around Jericho. Jericho. Just do the little steps you got to do, and God will come through with all of the truth that you need to be completely free.